Okay, well, hey, Gunner. Hey, everybody. Um, just wanted to check in with everybody, and uh, I have an interview. I'm very lucky to be sitting here with Jeremy Eater uh, uh, from the performance engineering team, and we're going to talk about his journey through um, Red Hat and how he got on the performance engineering team and some of the things he's working on. So welcome, Jeremy. Thanks a lot, Dave. Happy to be here. Yeah. So um, tell us about, uh, so how, how long have you been at Red Hat? I've been here coming up on seven years now. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. And yeah, so we moved to North Carolina from Long Island in 2009. Yeah. Uh, specifically for to work at Red Hat. So seven years. Yeah. So did you start off with performance engineering or how did, how did, what, where did, what did you start doing at Red Hat? I started with the first job that was open that I could do yeah. at Red Hat uh, with with the long-term or medium-term goal of getting into performance engineering. Okay. Yeah. So prior to Red Hat, I had done, you know, it's kind of funny how these things play out in your life, but I had, I had some use, I had some problems at my previous job, technical problems right. uh, that were performance related and that got me interested in the, in the scope of effort it takes to you know, triage, tune systems. It was FreeBSD at the time. Yeah. And uh, so, so I knew that I wanted to work on performance problems. And at that time, you know, we were moving most of our BSD over to to RHEL three and four. Yeah. So I knew that Red Hat was you know an up and coming company, and decided I wanted to get in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times too, whenever people you know, think about open source. I wonder if they, a lot of times they, they think about, hey, I got it to work or it doesn't have bugs. And um, for a lot of people, performance may not be a primary concern, but for a lot of our other customers, like performance is critical. Thinking about like our FSI customers where, you know, they're executing stock trades and, and all that. Um, why is, why do you, see, or how do you see uh, performance tuning being important in the case of open source? I think there's a couple of, I think there's a couple of things that we do uh, in our group to help address the enterprise use cases uh, for open source software. The first thing is we try to be invisible, like right. a baseball umpire. Uh, you don't notice them, and that means they're doing their job. That's one avenue. The second avenue is through documentation, reference architectures, and white papers that help people get the last couple of percent. So out of the box, we have to make fairly conservative. Um, configuration choices yeah and there's always additional tuning that can be done so we try to improve the product as best we can out yeah. of the box yeah. uh, and then we offer customers you know who need it those additional uh, documentation steps yeah yeah because I like there are certain workloads that are ideal for low latency other ones are for high bandwidth and uh, oftentimes that's at odds so you're trying to hit the general case the, the 80 percent case and then for that last mile, the people that want to go in one direction or another, you provide the, the ability to indeed. Let them yeah. And in, in you know part of the Rel six um, product was the the Tune D daemon, yeah, which applies uh, well. It's 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 a tuning profile delivery mechanism that our group is responsible for the content of, uh, and you know by default we're we're shipping in a a throughput tuned 
uh, we were just calling a data center yeah. centric kind of compute workload uh, tuning. And we offer latency sensitive tunings. We offer um, desktop and, and yeah. laptop type tunings as well. So those are, you know, on a laptop use case, you want to keep power usage down and but still keep interactivity and responsiveness up. So those are not things we can know before we install the product. So the user would tell us what their use case is. And for the, you know, for the financial guys, they would want to, they're not concerned with power usage so much. Um, you know, they want to get most of the uh, polling type behaviors out of the OS and move to an event-driven kind of a model. Yep. And uh, also they're, they're concerned with jitter introduced by the operating system. So we offer some suggestions around uh, Cleaning up or cleaning up the the kernel and user space tasks um, off of cores to help their applications run more uh, well with reduced jitter. Yeah, and that's that's one of the neat things with Tune D is that um, uh, that in the past with RHEL five days and all that you would get a reference architecture, you get a PDF, and it's like all right, bring up a shell and go through and edit all these different files and all that. Whereas Tune D, you have these prescribed profiles where you could say, oh, I have a laptop, or oh, I want to do high bandwidth or high throughput or low latency. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and I think you know when I normally just discuss this with customers, it's usually received fairly well. The, the content of it is, is based on um, lots of research by lots of folks on the performance engineering team. And uh, we have some profiles that are delivered with each product as well. So if you install Gluster, mm -hmm. you would get Gluster profiles or Rev mm -hmm. uh, or OpenStack or OpenShift or Atomic. So all of those products, and it, probably some more I'm forgetting, have profiles that, are, that help tune the system towards the workloads that we expect. Now, if the customer has some more exotic tunings or uh, their workload needs different configuration, Tune has a... a an inheritance, the concept of inheritance, so the customer can base their profile off of ours and then either override or add uh, tunings that more suit their their site-specific workload optimizations that they've come up with over the years. Yeah. So um, you know, and also they can of course turn it off. You know, and, and a lot of people um, have config management in place and have had it for years. You know, prior to the advent of Tune D, and that's perfectly fine. You know, we're trying to improve the out-of-the-box performance for the common case with with Tune D, and it's enabled by default in RHEL seven, um, and still allow customers all the flexibility that they've always had. Yeah, nice, nice. So. I remember like early on when I started in 2007, you know, Gunnar would always tell me that, you know, one of the one of the big things that he always talks about is with RHEL and our products is like that's the thing that can stay the same. So everything below it and everything above it can be different in terms of ISV choices and also hardware platform choices. But in many cases, I think that makes a performance engineer's job a lot harder because you don't know, oh, am I running on physical, virtual, cloud, what brand of virtualization, what brand of hardware, what what cloud provider I'm doing. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the performance engineering's approach to, like, how do you tackle something like that? How do you, you know, how do you solve that sort of problem? Yes. The, okay, so... I'll connect that to Tune D briefly. Yeah. We have a mechanism in Tune D that automatically sets the profile based on uh, some of the. It inspects the operating system, so it knows if it's running inside KVM 
uh, it knows if it's running inside virtualization of some other kind and it applies the profiles accordingly. So we are, like when you deploy a, an, a rel atomic image in EC2, it will set the uh, virtual guest profile automatically. And, and so Tundi is the, is the uh, mechanism by which that occurs. But for, yeah, so things that have massive changes in the industry over the last couple of years have been the advent of public cloud and the popularity of that. And, and you know, from our perspective, or at least from my personal perspective, the containerized workloads I've been working on most recently, um, they don't particularly care too much about the infrastructure. So from a performance engineer standpoint, I care greatly about the infrastructure. Right. Um, a lot of these public clouds, you know, for for better or worse, uh, are, a, are a pay to play kind of thing where um, they all entice entice users with low costs and those do in fact exist. Um, but to achieve similar performance that they had in their previous environment, uh, things can get costly rather quickly. And we right. found that ourselves, you know, we're working on some projects around OpenShift scalability and performance. Um, where we're having to, you know, make some cost decisions in order to actually prove out our, our products mm -hmm. on public clouds. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, you know, you mentioned containers. When we talk about containers, you know, a lot of times I think people think about, oh, yeah, containers, that's, I, I do some containers on my laptop, it works, it's great, and then, then people go to their CIO saying, oh, we're, we should go all in containers, go all in with containers because it works great on my laptop. Um, but I think one of the big things that we do at Red Hat is that we make sure the containers are consumable and performant in the enterprise. So that sounds like that's a, a big area that you're working on. So what are some of the things that you look at from a container performance uh, uh, scenario? So the four, the four food groups of performance don't change with containers. We've got CPU, memory, disk, and network, and every, app, every application consumes those, those food groups in one way or another. The way that containers affect those are, um, are around are generally around storage and networking because the compute and the memory, um, well, I'll say the differences between bare metal and containers are basically none from CPU and memory standpoint. Mm -hmm. from, a, from an I.O. standpoint, that's where things get a little bit more interesting for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we last year at Red Hat Summit, we, we did publish some benchmarks where bare metal versus vert uh, versus containers. And the numbers were very, very good for containers in the in just a handful of percent range when deployed properly. So that that caveat there is uh, we're hoping to solve by publishing white papers and tuning guides for our container products, mm -hmm. which the first one was released last month. Um, there's an OpenShift performance scalability and capacity planning guide that you should take a look at. It's on Red Hat's portal. And that's our first foray into uh, scale-out documentation for Kubernetes uh, and, well, OpenShift, which is a distribution of Kubernetes plus, um, plus Docker, etcd, Open vSwitch, that sort of thing. So we're attempting, to, well, we're identifying the low ceilings, mm -hmm. pushing them where we can, and uh, working with development teams where code fixes are necessary to improve the scalability of our container solutions. So when you mentioned moving from a laptop to a data center, Red Hat has a, a container development kit that, yep. we've, that we've most recently released. It's super cool. It uses Vagrant. Very easy to start on your, uh, on your laptop and, get, and, get, and start playing with. Um, moving that over to 
a data center centric thing like like OpenShift is actually fairly easy. I think the when you develop in the CDK, uh, you you're, you have to come up with you know these these uh, pod files for Kubernetes and Docker files, which which describe the image, um, and then deployment configs, which which describe the topology of the application itself. How many pods does it need? How many replication controllers? What images it uses, etc. So when you develop it locally on a workstation, you transmit only that application specification to to mm-hmm. the uh, to the to the to the platform as a service. And then it would run it on, you know, a full-blown um, OpenShift environment, which includes, you know, scheduling, affinity, anti-affinity rules, resource management, that sort of thing. Um, so <clears throat> developing on your laptop actually is not, well, from a performance standpoint, I would say it's not ideal. Right. But from a developer productivity point of view, it, it has massive upsides. And we're trying as a company to make that development experience a first-class thing mm-hmm. where they'll, you know, the CDK is, is one piece of that. Okay. Well, cool. So I know that um, th- there's so much more we can talk about, and we're actually going to do a whole next episode on uh, uh, some of the, we're going to talk about blockchain. But looking out to the future, if, if uh, coming this June, when people go to the Red Hat Summit, um, what, what are we talking about with performance here? I know you have some sessions coming up. Indeed. So our group, our group has, you know, I think six, seven or eight usually per year. And this year is no different. Um, database stuff, uh, ISV application performance. And we've got what's called the, uh, the Shaq and Larry show, which is a two hour um, marathon through all areas of performance. Yeah. And I'll be participating in that now for my fourth year in a row. Nice. Um, so I would encourage you to come to that if you're interested in performance. If you're interested in previous years, all of those things are up on YouTube. So that's the RHEL and networking um, talk. Most, most of it is focused around that stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Atomic there and containers there as well. Um, there's a separate presentation uh, on OpenShift itself. There's many OpenShift presentations. The one I'm involved with is called Wicked Fast Paths, mm-hmm. and that's uh, around OpenShift and Docker. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll talk about the different tunings that are required for uh, different infrastructure platforms, whether it's OpenStack or a public cloud of some kind. So those are both actually on the same day, and so it's going to be. <laughs> it's that it's going to be a marathon. Caffeine fueled, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. And there's 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 tons of super interesting talks. I think the other one I'm looking forward to is uh, there's a syst- there's a, a Docker talk on System D. Yeah, uh, I think Dan Walsh is giving, so th- that'll be interesting too. Yeah. So and so you're going to have your session. We're going to have the the Shaq and Larry show, and then right after that, isn't there going to be a boff where it's just like a petting zoo yeah. of all the performance? Engineers? There's a petting zoo. Yeah, yeah. No. We're in cages and obvi- and everything. <laughs> No, no, it's it's the second year in a row we're doing this. Joe Mario from the performance team is organizing this, and it's a, it's a really great opportunity because uh, you have a chance to nail down uh, some of the key folks that are Red Hat employees from not only from a performance standpoint. We're going to have folks from JBoss and folks from uh, you know the System D team, yeah. and you can 
ask them questions on the fly. There's no slides. There's no laptops. It's it's a one-to-one conversation. And, you know, you may walk up to me and I don't know the particular answer. I'll say, talk to this guy over here. He's the guy who wrote the code, you know, and he's standing 10 feet away. So that is on Thursday as well, right, um, right before the the big summit event thing, which I don't know what it is. Yeah. Party thing. Yeah. So that's the birds of a feather, performance birds of a feather. And uh, if you're interested, if you've got performance questions, if you attend any of the performance talks and have questions that went unanswered, please stop by. Cool. Cool. So, Jeremy, thanks for uh, being on the show on this episode. I'm, I'm really excited about the stuff that you're working on and, and checking out what you're presenting at the summit. Uh, if people wanted to you know, get the links to the CDK or, or learn more about TuneD and things like that, uh, where should we send them for more information? dgshow.org. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.